The scripture reading for today is from 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. These verses are taken from a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church leader named Timothy. And in these verses, the Apostle describes the change, the radical change that the grace of God produced in his life. Paul was changed by grace. Verse 14, he says, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, the grace. Now, what is grace? Grace can be defined as God's favor toward the unworthy, or you could define it as God's unmerited favor. In other words, what is grace? Listen, grace is love that we don't deserve, right? In, in the New Testament, the Greek word for grace is closely related to the word for gift, and that makes sense because, listen, just like a gift, grace is given for free. It, you, you don't, listen, you don't earn it, you don't pay for it, you never have to work it off. God's love for us in Christ is given to people as a free gift. It's free for us, right? But it's not free for God. In order for God to lavish His mercy and His love and His hope and His life, in order for God to lavish these blessings on sinful people like us, listen, the cost to Him was the life of His Son. Verse 15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ came in, in order to save us, the Son of God had to leave the glory of heaven, come into this dark world, die on a painful cross, rise, rise from the grave. The grace cost him his life. But listen, for you, for me, it's free. It's, it is a gift. And Paul here is saying, you know what changed me? It was grace. Grace is what changed me. Now how... How did God's grace change Paul? It changed him in two ways. God's grace gave him a new story, and God's grace gave him a new song. So, so first, a new, a new story. You know that um, 
God's grace, the grace of God, can give us a new story. And here's what I mean. For each of us, you could say that our life has a story, right? What's the story of your life? And for each of us, in the story of our lives, there are some good things that we look back on and we feel happy about, right? And there are some bad things that we look back on and we feel remorse over, or we feel shame about. The thing, you know, things we did that now we regret, or, or uh, words we spoke that we wish could be unsaid, ways that we, we fail to live it with kindness and courage and integrity and honesty, people we fail to love, promises we, we fail to keep. Come on, is this true? We all have these things in our story, right? Romans, Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So in the story of all our lives, we all have things that cause us a sense of shame. Now, in, in the story of uh, the Apostle Paul's life, these shameful things were horrendous. I mean, just horrendous. He says in verse 13, I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. You, you may know the story of Paul. Before he came to Christ, uh, Paul, Paul hated Jesus and hated the followers of Jesus so much that he says, here's the way he says it, Acts 22, verse 4. He said, I persecuted the followers of this way to their death. He killed Christians. He said, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. So that was the story of his life. That was his story. He, he said, I, I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. Now listen, did you notice the tense of the verb in that sentence? Paul says, I was a blasphemer. Past tense. I was a persecutor. I was a violent man. Paul said, listen, that's who I was, but that's not who I am. He's saying, I have a new story now. I have a new identity now. He's basically saying, God, God in heaven has redefined me. He's saying, my, my identity is no longer, it's no longer defined by what I do or, or what I fail to do. He's saying, my identity now, it's defined by whose I am He's saying, I belong to Christ now. Timothy Paul Jones is a seminary professor and an author who uh, in one of his books, he writes about the time when he and his wife adopted an eight-year-old girl. They adopted this little girl and brought her into their family, and they were told by the adoption agency that this child had been adopted before by another family, but for whatever reason, this other family felt like things weren't working out, and they had filed papers to, I, I didn't know you could do this, to undo the adoption and put her back into the, into the foster system. So they adopted this little girl, brought her into their home. They already had another daughter. And when they brought this child into their home, this little girl told them that when she lived with this other family, this other family used to take trips to Disney World. Apparently, that was their favorite place to go on vacation. So this other family would frequently take trips to go to Disney World, but they would never take her. The mom, the dad, the, 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 uh, the biological kids would, would fly down to Orlando, go to Disney World, and they would leave this adopted child with relatives or neighbors. They never took her. Isn't that heartbreaking? 
And so as a child, the only way she could explain this, she thought the reason they're not taking me is because I'm bad. I need to try to be good. That's the only way I can ever go. I need to try to be good. Well, you can imagine when Tim, when Tim Jones and his wife heard this story, it just broke their heart. And they said to each other, oh, my goodness, we got to take this girl to Disney World. We got to go to Disney World. And so they, they planned a family vacation. They bought the tickets. They set the date. They packed their bags. The, the day, the, as, as the day to go to Disney World approached, this little girl they had adopted did some naughty things. She told a lie. She took something that wasn't her. She was mean to her sister. And so, you know, her, her dad sat her down and had a talking to and kind of disciplined her for this. And her eyes just filled with tears. And she looked at Tim Jones and she says, I know what you're going to do. I know what you're going to do. You're not going to take me to Disney World. And he sat this little girl on his lap and he said to her, listen, honey, this trip to Disney World, this is a family trip, right? She said, yeah. He said, you're part of the family now, aren't you? She said, yeah. He said, then you're going to Disney World. You're in trouble for what you did, but you're going to Disney World. Well, the day, came, the day finally arrived, and they flew down to Florida, and they went to the amusement park, and they went on all the rides, and they ate all the food, and they saw all the sights, the things that you do down there. At the end of the day, they're in the hotel. They're all completely worn out. And this little eight-year-old girl comes up to Timothy Jones, and she says this. She says, Daddy, I finally got to go to Disney World. But it's not because I was good. It's because I'm yours. And in the book where he describes this, this story, uh, Jones writes this. He says, Grace, grace is not a favor you can achieve by being good. It's a gift you receive by being God's. Grace, grace is God's goodness that comes looking for you when you have nothing to offer in return. He said it's, a, it's, a, it's one-way love that calls you into the kingdom, not because you've been good, but because God has chosen you and made you his own. And now he is chasing you to the ends of the earth to keep you as his child, and nothing in heaven or hell can ever stop him. That's grace. And, and, and Paul says, God's grace has changed me. God's grace has given me a new story. He said, it's redefined me. I'm no longer defined by what I do. I'm no longer defined by what I fail to do. I'm defined by whose I am. I belong to God now because of Christ. Let me ask you, can, can you say that about yourself? You know, one, one thing that's fascinating about this passage, did you notice the apostle here says that he is convinced, he's just convinced, he says, if God could do this for me, oh, he could do this for anyone. Verse 15 and 16, he, he writes this, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst, but for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. He's saying, listen, before I came to know Jesus, I was so messed up, I was so broken, I was so selfish, I was so evil, He's saying, oh, if God could rewrite my story by grace, he can do that for anyone, anyone. So again, I'll ask you, have you ever, 
Have you ever gone to Christ and just said, I need you to do that for me? I've just, I admit, I'm messed up, I've sinned, I, I believe you're the Savior for sinners. Would you please, by your grace, just redefine me? The, re the reason I ask that is because I know this. If you ask Jesus to do that for you, he will. He won't even blink an eye. He will. It, it, in, first, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it says this, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So how, how did God's grace change the life of Paul? First, it gave him a new story. Secondly, uh, and, and finally, it gave him a new song. You know, as, as the apostle in these verses, he recounts the story of, of, of God's grace changing him. Did you notice at the very last verse, he just kind of bursts into song. He, he, one, uh, one commentator, John Stott, says at the end, he, he ends with, he says, quote, a spontaneous outburst of praise. It's like he can't hold it in. He just starts singing this praise. And here's what he says, verse 17. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That's a new song. He didn't used to sing that before he knew Christ, but that's his song now. And, and did you notice, uh, notice the lyrics to this song? First he says, God is my king. Let, let me ask you, what does it mean that God's the king? You know what it means? It means God is in control. He is seated on the throne of heaven. There's nothing outside of his power. Did you know this, guys? God is in control. He says, my, he's my king. And then he says he's a, eternal that means, that means that, listen, God has always been. There never was a time when God did not exist. God is, he, he says he's eternal. Then he says he's immortal. There's never been a time he didn't exist. And he says there's never, there never will be a time when he comes to an end. He's my king. He's in control. He always has been. He always will be. And, and then he says this. He says he's invisible. You know what it means to say that God is invisible? Christian, here's what it means. It means that God is at work in your life right now, even if you can't see him. Isn't that good news? I'm going to repeat it because I suspect there's someone here today, and maybe that's the one thing God wants you to hear in this sermon. Christian, listen to me. Even though you can't see him, the invisible God right now is at work in your life. He's hearing your prayers. You don't see him, but he sees you. He's, he is at work. So here's what Paul says. He's the king. He's in control. He's, he's eternal. He's always existed. He's immortal. I never have to worry about him coming to an end. And he is invisible. Even though I don't see him, he's at work. And so he just kind of sings this song. Now, now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be what? Honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That's his song, the new song God gave him. Let me ask you a question. What is it that makes you want to sing? What is your source of joy? Is it your health? Is it your good looks? Is it your good grades? Is it your job performance? Is it the approval of others? None of those are bad things. None of those are bad things. But, but let me tell you, if any of those things is the source of your joy, I, I, I'm telling you, someday you're going to lose your song. 
You will. And here's why. Because someday all of those things will come to an end. But hear me. If the source of your joy is God's grace, if the source of your joy is the love God has for you in Christ, you have, you have a song you will sing for eternity. Did you know that? Why? Because God's love for us in Christ will never end. Ever. That's, this, this is the promise that God makes to all those who turn from their sin and trust in His Son. Have you done that? If you've turned from your sin, you're trusting in Jesus. This is God's promise to you. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says this, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ever. Do you think that's worth singing about? I, I think it is. And you know why? Because it's a gift. Because it's given. Because it's free. Because it's grace. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for love without end, grace without measure, mercy that's greater than all our sin, all of it offered to us for free in Jesus. Thank you. Amen.